You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 895 of the Locked on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Sunday evening into Monday. Today's show is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON to get 20% off your next order with Built Bar. Today's podcast is mostly a discussion that I had with Tyler Jones, good friend of the program, that's coming up momentarily. Before we get to Tyler, though, some news to hit on and also a preview of tomorrow's home opener. Before that, though, I want to plug some things. Earlier today on Sunday afternoon, I posted a quick-hitting audio-driven podcast with some stuff from Lloyd Pierce, injury update on Chris Dunn, who is now going to be out for a little while. So details details on that on that podcast that I posted on the channel earlier today. On Saturday, I recapped the Hawks' win on the road in Memphis. That was a fun one to get into. And also, I had visits from Glenn Willis and Ben Ladner earlier on the podcast from last week. They're still very relevant at this point in time. Now, before we get to Tyler, I look ahead to Monday. Uh, the Detroit Pistons are in town. To face the Hawks in the home opener, typical time, 7.30, etc., etc. Detroit is pretty bad, <laughs> just to say that out loud. The Pistons are 0-2 this year. They're only scoring .97 points per possession offensively. It's kind of a mess. They were very active in the offseason, but the roster is not great right now. And honestly, it's even worse because Blake Griffin and Derrick Rose are both out of the lineup, according to the injury report that was posted on Sunday. So they have Jeremy Grant, they have Killian Hayes. Uh, They have some bodies that people will recognize, but the Pistons are in bad shape, and as a result of that, the Hawks should win this game. The Hawks are the better team, they're playing at home, and they're rightfully favored because, you know, again, Detroit's not very good, Hawks are at home, etc., etc. Injury stuff for the Hawks. So I talked about injury stuff a little bit on the podcast earlier today on Sunday, the quicker quicker one, but the injury report came out after that. Click Capella is now listed as probable for Monday, as of this recording on Sunday evening, with the left Achilles soreness. Gallinari is questionable for the Hawks with the left foot contusion, contusion. and then the rest of the injury report is clean, aside from McConnell, Snell, and Dunn, who are all still out of action. So, Rondo off the injury report, Brandon Goodwin off the injury report, etc. So, a little bit less to dive through on that particular um, item. There is some question about how much Capella will play in this game, obviously, because he's not played yet. Maybe they want to take him slowly, but um, all signs point to him being likely to play. Probable means probable, so doesn't mean he's definitely going to play, but we'll see. And then we'll talk about that, obviously, on Monday Night Show. Um, the Hawks, by the way, are are currently nine-point favorites on BetOnline.ag uh, at the time of this recording against the Pistons. They opened up about seven or seven and a half, but the Pistons, of course, then announced the uh, decision to not play Griffin or Rose, so the, the number actually rose to ten at one point and then back down to nine with some betting, obviously, going and, uh, going into that line on both sides. This may not happen, and in fact, given that it's nine now, it probably won't happen, but if it gets to ten again, the Hawks have not been a double-digit favorite uh, on the betting market since March 28th. Sorry, almost almost at 19. March 28th, 2017. So that's a long time. That's almost four years ago. Uh, That was the Dwight Howard, Paul Millsap season where the Hawks made the playoffs, but they were not great. And uh, yeah, that's a long time. So it's it's only a little bit of a thing. I'm someone who always observes betting markets, etc. But the Hawks have not been a huge favorite like this in a long time. The biggest favorite that I have seen the last couple of years is they, they were a favorite over the Pistons uh, in a home game, and they actually lost that game by, by 15 points. So that was one of those bad Hawks teams, so I'm not really worried about that necessarily. But all that to say, the Hawks are comfortably better than the Pistons, and if they don't win the game, that's disappointing. Like, I'm always someone on the podcast, if you're, if you're a regular listener, you would know this, but if the Hawks were to lose, 
I will probably come on here and tell you people not to overreact. Um, and I will mean that because it's one out of 72, uh, one out of 82 usually, but one out of 72. At the same time, you, you would have a hard time finding an, an easier matchup on paper in the entire season for the Hawks than a home game against Detroit without Griffin and Rose. That's pretty favorable. So this is one that you need to win if you are the Hawks to go to 3-0. It's not a, it's not assured. There's nothing easy in the NBA. But uh, there you go on that. I want to set the stage a little bit before we get to Tyler. But uh, I will have a podcast after the game on Monday. So stay tuned for that. Please subscribe and do all that fun stuff. Okay, before we get to Tyler, I work from our sponsor on today's podcast, and the first of which is betonline.ag. The regular season is coming to a close, and the NFL and the playoff picture will be decided in the near future. With that in mind, there's only one place that has you covered, and one place that we trust. That place is betonline.ag. You can sign up right now today for a free account at betonline.ag and use the promo code Locked On for 50% welcome bonus with the site. On top of the NBA getting geared up, as the season continues with great matchups on a nightly basis, there's a jam-packed slate of college football action in the coming days with bowl games and the playoff getting underway this weekend with a doubleheader on Friday. From there, week 17 of the NFL season is coming this week. There are some fun matchups to handicap on that slate, including Dolphins-Bills, Cardinals-Rams, and Steelers-Browns. And if none of that gets you going, there's a full menu of offerings from BetOnline on any sport you can think of, and BetOnline also offers a huge menu of player props, as well as live wagering, futures, and exotics. Do not sit on the sidelines anymore. Instead, get on the action. Do not forget to use the promo code LOCKEDON. You receive that 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. One more time, that is promo code LOCKEDON for 50% on your welcome bonus. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. I'm joined now by fan favorite, friend of the podcast, frequent contributor, Tower Jones is here. Hello, sir. What's going on, Brad? Uh, it's good to be back. You know, season started. We we actually saw some real games, not preseason. And surprise, surprise, it it, it appears Trey Young may not have been going full tilt during the preseason. I, I have a hunch. Yeah, that does. Uh, it seems that way based on what he uh, didn't do in the preseason versus what he's been doing. I mean, he's been he's been incredible. Like, it's, you know, is. <laughs> Not not much to really add to it. I mean, we're going to talk about some other stuff uh, in a bit, but like, I just want to start with like, I mean, he's been in, like, especially against the Grizzlies when he didn't have his three pointer going. Like, he completely dominated that game, uh, especially in the fourth quarter. Like, just took over with, um, you know, with his ability to bait guys to foul him. Like, and he was getting fouled, and he was. You know, he's so good at foul drawing. And, like, I know that's super annoying to watch uh, for fans of the other team. But, like, I've never, you know, as a Hawks fan, I've never seen that. I've never had that player before. And now I get it. I'm like, oh, yeah, you got to do that. Or the defense won't or, like, the defenders will get away with crap uh, with basically fouling. Like, you have to do this type of behavior. Furthermore, it you know, it frees you up. It, it just makes life easier. Like, cause you know, you got in your back pocket, I can draw this foul if I get him in this spot. And so like Trey's just such a, you know, he's just such a master class at it now already in his third year in the league. So, you know, I just, I mean, he's just been amazing. Um, yes. That's well said. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll come back to him too. Cause he's obviously a, a big story and part of this whole program, but at the same time, it's, it's kind of funny to say this out loud, but I feel like Trey being awesome is a story to be sure, but it's not one that's surprising to anyone. I don't think that's been paying attention. Obviously, it might be nationally, but he's been he's been so good. I, I will say that. Obviously, the opener I, I did like 10 minutes is just ridiculousness on him. He was perfect, basically. And even then, in the second game, 
against Memphis, he got off to kind of a slow start and then was basically dominant for the last two and a half quarters. So what are you even going to say about Trey Young? I mean, we can, and we probably will, but it's just funny that he's not like, he is a lead story, but we're at the point now, and this is a compliment to him, where we're in year three and it's like expected that he's going to be awesome. And uh, that's, exactly. it's a good place to be in if you were a Hawks fan, for sure. Um, before we get into other Hawks stuff, I do want to ask you, uh, this is a preseason topic in some ways, but because I haven't talked to you in this form since then, what did you make of uh, John Collins not getting the extension done with the Hawks? And there was lots of ink spilled, lots of discussions. Uh, my Twitter was uh, aflame for a couple days surrounding that situation. Uh, I know, I know kind of where you are on this, but uh, for people that don't, uh, where are you at with Collins not getting done and uh, hitting free agency next summer? Um, you know, once, like, really, once I saw John Isaac sign for four for 80, uh, I was like, uh, he's not, if they're not going to offer him the max or near the max, then he's just not going to sign. Cause like, there's no disrespect to Jonathan Isaac, but he's hurt and he's not going to play this year, but he got 80 million guaranteed. So I'm like, if John is comfortable with that being his floor, if he suffers a major injury, then there's really no reason for him to, to do anything. And then, you know, later reports came out that the Hawks offered upwards of 90 million. And you already, you already made the point that uh, the Hawks had no reason to offer him the max. I mean, they, other than, you know, just goodwill, but like on, on for their side, like unless they were going to get a value contract, they just weren't going to do a deal. And on to me, I just wanted to talk more about on John's side. It's like, John, John's going to get paid. Uh, if you notice, all the all the big big headliner free agents have signed in 2021. Like he's going to be the main attraction. I, I tweeted this pretty early, you know, during the rookie extension, the post talk. I was like, I mean, the Heat and Mavs are going to offer him the full max day one. I, I I'm like, and there are other teams. Like there are multiple teams that are just going to offer him the full max just due to. Regardless of how he plays this year, uh, alongside, you know, Capella and Gallinari, like just due to his three plus three years of plus production at his age, plus his shooting and his all around play, like I've already extols John Collins' ability as a basketball player. <laughs> and so, like to me, it's like it's not it's not a matter of if he's worth it or not. It's a question of can he get it, and so. Like if if I'm John Collins' agent, he's probably he wouldn't be doing his job if he's not if he's not asking around. Hey, what? Like, how much would you be willing to go for? You know, my my guy. And if they're telling him the max, then he's gonna expect the Hawks to do the same. Because, you know that, you know if if that's if that's what it's gonna be uh, during this upcoming free agency, there's no reason for him to you know to, to take any less and also like for the Hawks like I mean there's really not that big of a difference between 100 million and 120 on a per season basis and if you're going to be over the cap like we're just talking about luxury tax stuff and it's like as long as Russ is willing to pay it I don't see any issues and again we talked about it uh on the previous pod they didn't trade them on draft night when they basically had their free agency plan panned out. Uh, that's when his value was the highest. And I, I, I don't see them trading him uh, during the deadline unless this team underperforms, which maybe we could talk 
talk about a bit later. But unless that happens, I feel like they're going to play out the season. And then, you know, either he signs an offer sheet with the team or they just offer him the full match out of goodwill or whatever. Yeah, I mean, there's lots of things we can talk about with it. I think that the Hawks know what they were doing there. Um, they know, I'm sure, that John, if he plays well, and I assume he will, is going to get nine-figure offers, most likely. Um, it may not be the full max, but I think it's going to be a lot. And it could be the full max, like you said. Like If he, if he plays great, he's going to get money, especially because he's really young. And also, the market kind of evaporated on free agency teams. There's not that many players available that are worth that kind of money. And, you know, once the deal didn't get done, I kind of had an idea of what the Hawks offer probably was. And you referenced it before. Brian Windhorst reported that it was around or in excess of $90 million over four years. That's kind of what I thought it was going to be because I think, this is me thinking, not reporting, I think if they had offered him nine figures, he probably would have taken it. That's, yeah. that's my guess. Um, obviously, he wanted max or near max, and that was that was out there, and he said it as much. But I think if they had given him you know, the Jalen Brown contract, he would have signed it. Um, that's just my guess. But they didn't, and because of that, here we are. And, you know, John is betting on himself on some, on some level, and that's that's totally fine. And honestly, you know, I'm someone that probably overstates this sometimes as well, but trying to figure out what the floor is on a John Collins contract in reasonable terms is tough. But, like, as long as he just doesn't completely fall off, which he won't do, he plays so hard, unless he has a serious injury, knock on wood, he's going to get real money. It's not like it's, he's got that much risk on the table here. So... I get it on all sides. You know, I'm someone who always says rookie extensions. If it's not a guy that you think is an absolute no brainer max guy, you need to, you need to be getting a, a value to do it in my view. And the Hawks seem to have taken that tact on this one where I'm sure always very confident. If, the, if Collins was a free agent, they would not have let him walk over four, you know, over $10 million. Like you just said. Like, yeah, exactly. Were, it's, it's a situation where you're a year ahead of time. And the only reason to do the deal, if you're the Hawks, this is not fun to think about if you're a Collins fan, but the only reason to do the deal if you're the Hawks is if you think you're gonna, that you're getting a, a really good value. And if they didn't think that, then you don't do it. And it's not, it doesn't have to be a nasty thing. I know, you know, fans get got mad and like, you know, pay the guy. And I totally get it. I really do. I understand on both sides because it's easy to root for John. He's a fun guy. I, I like John. I think he's really good. And I think at the end of the day, you said it like they can just match on any offer and it may, it may be a lot of money, but if he's as good as they, as he could be and they play well this year, they probably won't care. I mean, eventually the luxury tax becomes a concern after Trey gets paid in a couple years, but until then, and even then like Gal comes off and all, there's, there's lots of obviously machinations that we can get to there, but if he plays well and they want to keep him around, they have the ability to do that. And it's just, this is what happens sometimes, you know, the Hawks fans, May not remember this a lot, because unless you're older, but like Jeff Teague was a, was a was restricted was restricted at one point. Uh, Josh Smith signed an offer sheet at one point. Dennis Schroeder was restricted, and what would have been restricted, and they paid him a year early, and they didn't love that contract. It was a different regime. And you and but. you know what? Um, now that I'm thinking about it, and but like Al Horford signed the contract, but he signed for well below market value yeah. because he got six years guaranteed. Yeah, and like with how how um the cba nowadays like doesn't go past four or five and like you can only give out one five-year rookie contract extension per whatever the ruling is like i you know they weren't going to go to five because that's bookmarked for trey young um 
They could have, by the way. They actually they could they actually could have done the five year deal with John. And actually, this is way in the weeds, but if they had done the five years and have it had it decline, it would have been a pretty interesting structure that we talked about a little bit on Peachtree Hoops. Like it would have been like five years and a hundred and twenty million or so. But you would have started it. At least I would have started it as high as it possibly could have, and had it decline for tax reasons later on. And that would have been a lot of money for John and a good contract for the team. But that's just a, a structure that doesn't usually happen. Like it's it's hard to see that actually happening. Yeah, and I'm like five one twenty. He's probably not interested. Yeah, I mean it's, it's just it's just a life change. I mean, yeah, the it, life change of money argument money, is just what like, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody's like, it's like, like, stop counting the man's money. Like he knows. Market, he knows. I too. mean. He, this is not like, like he knows what his market is. <laughs> right. And we're, like, I'm guilty of this too, but it's not like he's not been over all this stuff and the agents too. I think that he knows exactly what the money could have been. Uh, if it was 490, if it was 495, whatever the number was exactly that was the final offer from the Hawks. Yeah, that's life changing money. That's for sure. But, you know, he knew that. He, he made it, he made the decision and that's just what it is. I mean, it's not like, this never happens. This happens all the time. I know a lot of extensions got done that final day between Isaac and Fultz and Canard uh, and all those guys, but no one got as much money in their deal as Collins would have on that day. If you go by, just even go, go by the, what the Hawks offered him, reportedly by Winhorst, that would have been the biggest deal that anyone signed that day. Everybody else signed for less than that. So he's in this weird stratosphere, which we talked about a lot, but where he's not quite the max guy to give him that max deal right now, but he's also better than the guys that are getting the deals below that. So yeah, he's not, he's not a pro like he's not a prospect in the sense that, you know, you're paying for upside cause you getting guaranteed production from him. Yeah. And he's also, uh, you know, and that's why I think I mentioned before, but the contract that I thought if it got done, I thought it was going to be the Jalen Brown contract the entire time because Jalen Brown, they're, they're not, they're not similar players, they're sim- but, but they're similar they're yeah. on similar tiers w- w- during that contract year. Yeah, I agree. I, and it's also I just the deal. Yeah. I mean, that that kind of range deal does not happen all that often. It's usually guys get the max or they get like 480. And the deals between 20 million a year and the max are the tricky ones a lot of ways because they, they just don't get done a lot of the time because like this, honestly, the player wants the max and the team doesn't want the max. And that's where you, you're in the standoff. So, all things, you know, all things equal, it would have been nice to get it done, I'm sure, on both sides. I'm sure John would, would like to get it done. But he'll be fine. This is this is a pro who plays really hard. You've seen that already this a, year. It's and, fine. And here's another thing, like, can't emphasize enough. He's a pro. Like, last night, uh, he didn't – he basically sat the entire first quarter and then half of the second quarter in foul trouble. But, like, Nathan Knight – in large part because Nathan Knight was playing really well, Lloyd wrote him, and John was one of the first guys up cheering for him. And so it's like, I mean, you know, John's a supremely confident guy. He knows he's good. Like, he knows he's going to put up, you know, the type of numbers that get, that you know, get max money. He knows what, what he knows his production compared to other guys in the league, what, what contracts they got. He feels he's the same tier of basketball player. Uh, now that they got a team that can win uh, with a lot of talent, uh, he's going to have opportunity to show it. It, it, it. Like I think his situation is reminiscent of Brandon Ingram, and also it has to be said that he probably gets the contract he wants if he didn't get suspended twenty five games. 
that um, it certainly would have been a little bit easier. I mean, that's the that was a fact. I feel like I feel like that was that was a, probably a bigger factor um, in terms of these contract negotiations in the sense that you know you got to re-earn that trust, right? And and I, I try to talk about that a little bit when it happened. And listen, I'm not trying to make it a huge deal either, so I, I don't want to overdo it. But yeah, they, they, they not, were not happy about that. I mean, yeah, and great, and they shouldn't have been. Honestly, I mean, I, I'm I'm very pro John. I think he's a good guy. I think it's he's a good player. But the team was not was not thrilled. I'm very confident of that. Um, anytime you get a guy suspended for something that is outside of their it, control, yeah. they're not going to love that. So I'm not sure that had a huge factor here. But to think that it was absolutely zero factor is also kind of silly. I think I think it was probably somewhere in the middle. It was probably a factor, not the biggest one by any means. I think the money and just the structure of it was the was the main factor, but. That does come into play. I'm I'm sure the Hawks at some point in the negotiation said, "Hey, hey, John, remember that remember that suspension you got? Like, not maybe not just like that, but I'm sure it came up at some point." And also another like another factor. I think Giannis signing, um, yeah, weirdly enough, kind of just killed any like because if he if he didn't if Giannis didn't sign, he'd go into free agency. John would be one of the guys in the waiting hole waiting for Giannis to sign. Get squeezed, right, exactly. To get squeezed, right? But because Giannis signed, you know, he's on on John's side, he's the bell of the ball here. Uh, you know, he's gonna be he's gonna put up the big numbers. People are gonna look at his basketball reference page, they're gonna look at everything he could do. They're gonna they're gonna be like, Oh well, I mean we didn't get Giannis, but you know, John's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. And he's young. Uh we can build him around, you know, our star player. Uh he can help us out a lot. He can help us win games. So like it, i I think the Giannis one was really like if Giannis didn't sign, I think they ultimately come to an agreement and he probably gets a bit more th- he gets that Jalen Brown contract you mentioned, but because he didn't, like the incentive for John to do a team friendly deal dried up just because he'd be turning he'd be turning down money and if you know, it, he's also part of a players union like these. And it's just not. It's in bad taste if you're if you're a part of a union and you're not getting as much of the equity as you possibly can. Like, it's, I, you, you know, you, you have to you have to do what's right based on your market value. Um, and also it'll set up for his next contract in the future, because, like, if he settles now, you know, that has it that has a uh you know, an effect on, on later years. So it's a lot of factors, but ultimately it, it, it just wasn't in the cards. And like I said before, once Isaac signed for that 480, like that, that might be even less than what, like 490 might be his floor at the moment. Cause you know, that's what the Hawks um, were willing to offer. So uh, yeah, it, it just wasn't in the cards. Yep. I am uh, with you 100%. We can get into uh, more of John later if we'd like to. But first, before we before we pivot to some Hawks stuff and some on-court stuff, a word from our sponsors on today's podcast, the first of which is Built Bar. I've been telling you for a long time that Built Bar is the best-tasting protein bar ever, and that is still very much the case. But also, the new and improved Built Bar is even more delicious. The original flavors are fantastic, and they continue to be so. But now, there are 18 amazing flavors to choose from, including new selections like caramel brownie, lemon almond cheesecake, and, a, and of course, my personal favorite, and cookies and cream. Each bar is covered in 100% chocolate, and they're all soft and easy to chew, which is also very important to point out. And from there, I should remind you that Built Bar is also fantastic. For those of us trying to be health-conscious, you can maintain or even lose weight while still enjoying something that's absolutely delicious. Bars are low calorie, high protein, low sugar, and high fiber. 
And Built Bar is even great if you're on the keto diet with all the nutrients you need. And again, a taste that puts other competitors in the space to absolute shame. In order to check it all out, BuiltBar.com is the place to go. Yes, it's BuiltBar.com right now. And use the promo code LOCKEDON when you get there. When you visit BuiltBar.com and use that promo code, you'll get 20% off your next order with Built Bar. One more time, that is BuiltBar.com. Promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off your next order. Check it all out at BuiltBar.com and try Built Bar today. All right, Tyler. Unless you would like to keep talking about John Collins, I want to ask you about what we've seen so far. So the Hawks have played two games. They have two wins, uh, both of which were pretty shorthanded in some respects. And uh, they've played pretty well. I think objectively they played quite well in Memphis um, most of the game, especially given what they had available. And in the opener, they went out and got a win against a team that was really bad in Chicago, but you still won that game convincingly so. And that's not something that the Hawks have always done the last couple of years. So... Obviously a positive start in a lot of ways, but I'll open the, I'll open the floor to you. Uh, what have you seen? I, I will at some point have to ask you about uh, DeAndre Hunter and Kevin Herter, two of your two of your guys that we'll come back to. But uh, My guys, my what, boy. What, what, have you, what, have, what, what have you seen so far from this team? Uh, well, can, can, I, can I talk about the Bulls for a second? Absolutely. You, the, the floor is your I – mean, uh, I mean, the Bulls and also your hometown Memphis Grizzlies. <laughs> another, well, another, another discussion uh, point. No. Yeah. I, I mean – the Bulls, like, l- let me just start there. Like, they, they stink. Was was Boylan? Was Boylan the glue that held them together, Brad? Nah, I don't. I, I mean, don't think I, so. I, as someone who was way too high on the Bulls last year, uh, I had my guard up a little bit, but I thought they were going to be better than what they looked at. I mean, they're not as bad as this, I don't think. But they're man, not. They, they but, have been really bad through two games. Like, but like, really it's bad. pretty clear they need a point guard desperately. Like. Kobe yeah, White is Kobe not, White is not playing well. I mean, I, I don't, I don't want to pile on Kobe White, uh, pile on Kobe White, but he was about as bad as an NBA guard can be in that game against the Hawks. He was absolutely unplayable in that game. And like the Hawks, absolutely like trolled him by just running different schemes and getting him completely discombobulated. Like they were just switching it up because they knew a weakness of his is that Kobe White, he's really more of a two, like he's really more on off guard. Like he's not somebody. Like even at North Carolina, this was his struggles. Um, and he settled like he settled last year into a better role. But like, you know, it's one of those things where it's like you know, starting uh, isn't always a good thing for young players. Uh, I, I think, I think the I think Billy Donovan is doing his team a disservice. And it, it sounds like uh, tonight, uh, this Sunday against the Warriors, that they're going to change up the starting lineup. We'll see what they do, but like, he's doing his team a disservice. It's like, it, it enough of this Lauren marketing Wendell Carter front court. You're starting two centers, and like Laurie is so bad on defense, Brad. And Wendell Carter has lost all his confidence. And like, I felt bad for Wendell against the Hawks in particular because I rewatched the game. Like, he wasn't good, but his the perimeter defense of the Bulls was so awful. It's like. Trey Young could have gone for 100 points. I honestly believe that. Like, just the complete lack of pressure they put on Trey Young all game was frankly embarrassing. And I was like, man, is that what the Hawks looked like to other teams? Because, ooh, and, and for that to be the first game of the season, and like, Bulls were, weren't in the bubble. And it's just like, if you compare that to what the Hawks look like, like, they look together. 
Um, uh, they've been communicating, and I mean, everybody's been playing well. That's the fun thing. Like everybody's playing well, Brad. Like from whoever gets on the floor, like they're doing their job, and they're doing it well enough to so that you know they can come out and get these easy wins. Like these, I mean, they haven't won. I don't think they've won. When's the last time they won two games in a row back to back by double digits on the road? Uh, like it would have almost had to be three, four years ago. Just easily, because they, like, they don't, they don't, they have not gone on the road and gotten many wins in the last couple of years. Period. M- much less back to back by double digits. And, and, and honestly, I know the Hawks started the last season two and zero, but it was not the same as, as this as this two and zero. It just wasn't. Yeah, those were those were close. You know, those were close grind them out wins. Uh, this. I mean, they just were the better team throughout both games, really. Even though the Grizzlies game was close throughout, I felt the Hawks had the better run of play. And, and, and um, I think the Hawks were just – I mean, the Bulls, like we just said, were are bad. I think the Grizzlies win – I don't want to overstate it either, but that was an extremely impressive performance. Brad, they, they, they've not won that type of game in a long time. Well, that's what I where mean. Where they, they, they match the Grizzlies, um, Glenn Willis um, – you got at Peachtree. Shouts to Glenn, who's on the podcast last week. Eight, yeah, uh, on ATL on twenty nine, he talked about how the Hawks were the more physical team, and the Grizzlies. That's that's their mo. And like, you know, the Hawks uh, have not been a physical basketball team the, and during these rebuilds, except for you know John. So like to see them fight, you know, the Grizzlies and out, you know, out battle them like a. Uh, uh, key part of that Grizzlies win was John Collins' ability to just keep the play alive, uh, getting those offensive rebounds late. Uh, whether he got the ball or just, you know, kept it alive for somebody else to secure the rebound. Like, the Grizzlies couldn't get out in transition because because they had to, they had to secure the ball. They couldn't. You know, John Morant, you know, he had a good stat line, but, like, he couldn't get the easy dunks and layups that he, that he you know, that his athleticism – and his dribbling uh, dictates that he should. Like, the Hawks did a really good job of walling him off. Um, and they executed. Brad, like, they're executing, talking to each other on both games. Like, this is stuff they have not done on either end of the floor. Like, they – especially on defense. And, like, to me, um, that I think that's the biggest takeaway. And it's got – you know – it's hard not to feel super optimistic about this season based on the caliber of defense they've played these first two games because they didn't do anything special. You know, they didn't do anything unique. Like they weren't trapping. They weren't, they, they just played solid team defense. They were connected and they battled and they, you know, and against the bulls, they absolutely took advantage of Kobe white, not being able to run the offense and getting easy turnovers that led to easy fast break points but against the Grizzlies I mean they just they just outplayed them uh you know and that you know and that a lot of that has to go to DeAndre Hunter like his defense yeah uh, let's uh, I mean it's <laughs> let's get into it because you made this point before we started recording and it's actually a good one and I hadn't thought about this way but I think it makes a ton of sense then you said this to me but they effectively won that game in Memphis with last year's roster now yep. they also have Bogdanovich. That helps, but he wasn't great in that game. Um, and all the guys who made the biggest impacts 
in that game were returning players. Now they're a year older and a year better in most cases. You know, Trey is similar, but if, like obviously DeAndre Hunter is a year better. Uh, Kevin Herter is a year better. John was good. You know, Bruno played pretty well, I thought, against Memphis in a, in a key spot for him. You got the Nathan Knight game as well. That was fun. But in general, the Hawks didn't have Gallo. They didn't have Capella. They didn't have Dunn. They didn't have Rondo. They didn't have a Kongwu. And Memphis was shorthanded too, but they had, to, they, they had to go in there and win, again, with a pretty similar team. And honestly, if you're looking at the roster, the biggest differences so far... Other than the guys they brought in, of course, like, you know, Gallo and Bogdanovic are just good players. Um, is Hunter is Hunter's just a different guy now. And he was going to be better anyway. Uh, you know, I was already thinking that was going to happen from year one to year two. But even then, as a Hunter um, enthusiast, I would say, he's been really, really good. And obviously, Hunter's been good as well. But th- those two guys are the guys who have been different players, really, from last year to this year. It's only two games. But that, given that they're in year two and year three, respectively, that's what you want to see from young guys. Like um, Hunter in particular, like he's been, I mean, he's just been incredible. This is, and, you know, I made this point during preseason, and I'll, you know, I'll make it again here. Like, this is the guy the Hawks traded up to get. And he's allowed them to be versatile on defense, run different stuff, uh, play different schemes. Like, you can play, like, you can play John at the five as long as somebody else can grab the rebound. Like, and I, I don't know why I've turned into rebound guy, but like, it's been <laughs> such a, like these last, like these rebuild years, rebounding has been such a killer for them. And like to see DeAndre Hunter fight Jonas Valanciunas and not give him anything. And like, I mean, just overall, just to see the emotion DeAndre Hunter played with, uh, especially against the Grizzlies, like, he was yelling. Apparently, he was talking back to the coach. I didn't know he talked. Everybody told me he's he's a quiet one, but well, like he he is very quiet. And they've been trying to get him to go to come break out of that. And Lloyd was very but, happy. But 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 when um when Lloyd was in the game talking about switching the scheme up and having somebody else guard John Morant, he got in he got into it with the coach. And I'm like, I love that. That's great. Cam Reddish got like I saw it live. Cam Reddish went back and forth with uh, Lloyd Pierce after a mistake he made. Cam didn't play well, but that's not something he did last year. And, like, that's a good thing. I'm, you know, because it, it, it shows that, you know what, these guys care. Um, and that they're into it, they're passionate, and they believe in themselves. And that they believe, you know, they believe that what they see on the court is different than what the coach sees. And, like, they, they're going to have a disagreement. And that's, like, that's a good thing. Like, this is, they've been too passive, too quiet. Um, uh, these couple years, um, in regards to everything, and so it's good to see them have show that level of passion and, and like fight to in a game that you know needed every everything that they had to win it. Um, and but you, I mean, like it's it's just been surprising to watch DeAndre Hunter. Like this is not he's obviously gotten a lot stronger, and so is so is John Cone. That's something I also want to know. Like. He and John in particular have just done a great job of walling guys off um, defensively. And it's if the Hawks are going to get stops consistently with the offensive weapons that they have, even with Gallinari, like even with, you know, Gallinari not playing, Capella not playing, all, you know, all the talent that Wagner's struggling, even with that, 
with just the, with the baseline offensive talent that they already have on the roster, if they can consistently get stops, they're going to score in the half court because they have Trey Young. And like that means you're going to be a good basketball team. Yeah, they have um, they have they have Trey Young and shooting, and that's all you need yep. on offense. I mean, we all know this is an offense personnel team first and foremost. But if you get what you're getting right now, particularly from Hunter, and obviously Reddish has been good defensively really the entire time he's been in the NBA. Those two guys make a ton of difference on the wing. They need them. And to your point, Collins, who you know, I know, I know you've been high on him the entire time. I think his defense last year was underrated. It was not great, necessarily, but he took a big step forward. People just didn't notice or didn't want to notice. And if those two guys, if those three guys are making plays and doing stuff defensively, that takes some heat off of Clint Capella because in the first two games, they didn't have Capella, obviously, and they desperately, desperately, desperately needed those guys to be good because, you know, for like, Gallo's not going to help you on as sort of a backline defender. Bruno can't be asked to clean up messes in the way that Capella can be. So it was actually kind of weirdly good in some ways to have those guys out there with real pressure defensively to have to do a lot of stuff without Capella out there. And now they've done it for two games. It's only two games. Um, and then Detroit's not going to test them necessarily <laughs> on Monday because they're, yeah. they're bad. But still, it's it's just good to see them making the plays defensively because, you know, everyone knows this, but they're not going to make – defensive gains based on the play of guys like Bogdanovich and Gallinari and Trey Young. They have to defensively be propped up a little bit by particularly the two young second year wings. Those guys are the best players on the team. Uh, and it, it's those, it's those two guys in Capella that are, have to be their defensive players. And then Collins can flash a little bit as well. And if they do that, Here, that here's the them. thing though, Brad, if, if Collins going to be this good switching out on the perimeter, then you can have him on the list as one of the better. Well, you know, I mean, and honestly, they because of where he's going to be asked to play, and we haven't seen it yet because he's been the he's kind of been the starting center. But if Capella is around, they know they've been gearing up for John having to play more on the perimeter, and he's known that for since February. I know I know Capella didn't play, but John's known now for ten months that he was going to be a primary power forward. He's he's going to play some center too, obviously. But when Capella's on the court with him to to open games. He knows he's got to be a perimeter defender in the way that he wasn't before. And they worked and, on that. And what would help, and what would help, and which has helped all these guys, including Trey Young on defense, is talking. Oh, yeah. Actively talking with each other. Like, I. They've been big on know, that, too. It, I mean, I think people got tired of listening to it, but Lloyd and it's trickled down to the players. They've been talking about using your voice now for months and months and months. And it's not just lip service. I know, it's, I know it sort of sounds like it, but they needed to do that because defensive communication is so big and they just haven't had that in the last three seasons, basically. And like, it's a collective, it's a collective effort. Everybody has to be on that string and it, and it just, if you know where your guys are, it makes your life so much easier. Like it just, it just does. It, it frees you to play up to your talent level. And like, I've been, I've been higher than a lot of people on, on John Collins defensive. I've consistently said that him, He's a better switch defender than a traditional big man. And now that, you know, DeAndre Hunter is flashing that ability as well, like, and then, you know, Cam Reddish just being the ball hawk that he is, it's like you start those three guys with Capella. Now you're talking about something on, like, you know, you're talking about a, a unit that can consistently get stops and then rely on Trey Young. And, like, that's the thing. It's clear preseason they weren't running their real offense, right? Um, Cause they're doing they're doing the spread pick and roll, 
And it's been the, tra- you know, it's been the Trey Young show, but it's looked really good. So we're not going to talk about it. And <laughs> on, on the one hand, he is letting guys bring the ball up the floor. But when it's winning time, like, it's going to be the Trey Young show because he's just, he's that good. He's that dominant of a basketball player. Like, you got to get the ball in his hands and trust him to make the right reads. Man, he made some. Everybody, like, I, I can't stress this enough. Everybody's playing so well. And, like, it's just it's just great to see. I know you're, I know you're excited, uh, and you should be. I mean, it's funny. I, I got a couple of messages after the Memphis game, and people were like, I mean, you're really positive right now. And I was like, well, they, what do you want me to say? I mean, I know I, I know I have a knack for bringing people down sometimes or people up sometimes when it's people are really mad. But, like, what was I supposed to criticize from the Memphis game? They just played well. I mean, the only guy that didn't play well, the only guys that didn't play well by their standards were basically, like, Bogdanovich and Reddish. And they both made plays. Like, even I, you know... <laughs> what, what do you want me to do? They're just playing really well right now. It's not. It's not necessarily going to be that that way all the time. They're going to have some bad nights, as everybody does. But the team's just playing well, and that's. I mean, I know it's weird after three years of never playing well. Basically, uh, I mean, one offs here and there. But like you said earlier, the Hawks just didn't string together two performances in a row very often in the last three years. Two performances in a row in this way, in that they, they you know, stretches of the game, they dominated. And, like, you know, uh, the Bulls, I mean, they were up 40 points in the game. Oh, that, that thing was over early second quarter. It was over. Like, they were up 40 like, in the third, but it was really, yeah, it was misleading how little they won by. That that was, if they had been pedaled to the metal, it would have been 50 probably in that game. I mean, if they had their full squad, they would have. it would have been 50. Like, that was the thing. Like, it, it, they literally ran out of. They they put two centers on the floor. Oh, we haven't. I haven't even talked about Nathan Knight. Brad, you didn't tell me this dude had some booster packs. Like now, I, I just, okay. So what, what was that? So the dunk was impressive. I watched the Nathan Knight film. I, I'm not. I'm not a full blown expert on Nathan Knight, but I just got him a little bit. I liked him. Uh, he was in my top hundred, but uh, I didn't think I. I wasn't sure he had that either, especially as a four year guy at William Mary. You just don't see. Guys, and granted, he was awesome. He was a conference player of the year. Um, but I didn't think he had that gear either. And I'm not sure if it was a one-off or if that's like a real thing. But he uh, he went up and got it. And Trey, apparently that, that was coordinated. Trey just basically said, I'm going to throw it to you and get ready. Um, I mean, that, that was clearly coordinated. Because I was like, Trey, you missed Bogdan. Like, I, I was I was confused because the play was set up. for. I thought the play was set up for Bogdan in the corner. And he was open. Yep, but he kind of just like he just threw it. Didn't pass it. <laughs> he was gonna throw it to Nathan and Knight. Then he just threw it no up. Way. He threw it up, and Nathan Knight wasn't there. That's the thing. Nathan Knight was not there when he threw it up. He just went and got the ball. Surprised everybody. Um, and like now he was good. I, I mean, he was good offensively. Defensively, have, he was kind well, right. Of, and that's the thing. Like, I don't want. <laughs> this is not me trying to be. This is. Just, I'm, I'll be myself now. I'm not trying to run in parades. Uh, Nathan Knight is not going to shoot like that every game, and he's not a good defensive player. But listen, he's a two he's a two way guy from William and Mary. I like that signing. I said as much when it happened. It was a good two way investment. He's a talented guy. Um, people are just going to get a little bit carried away with it, but that's okay. I mean, it's, part of that's fun. And I mean, Lloyd Lloyd came out on the on the presser, and the first thing he said was, "If you're not talking about Nathan Knight, don't ask me anything." Like with a giant smile on his face. So it was a, that was just fun. I mean, they they didn't necessarily. You know, actually, I almost said this. 
they needed him, quite frankly. Like, they won that game by 10 they points. Did. That game was closer than 10 for most of the way. And if he doesn't do what he did, they might not have won. I mean, it would have been close anyway. Um, so, yeah, shots to him. I mean, what are you going to say? I'm, I'll be surprised if he's playing again on Monday, like rotation-wise. But that's the thing. Like, every once in a while... You have to go. Get, you have to go deep into your bench and grab a guy and hope he hope he gives you something. And he gave him something at the right at the right time. Like that was it was an awesome story and awesome moment for him. I mean, but you can see the upside even with that. Like even in the short stint, and like it's good that finally with the two way, the Hawks have signed and a potential quality role player that could be with the team for X number of years, right? And he like, was the other one. I mean, people were more excited about Skylar Mays because he was drafted, but it should be. I mean, I'm. I like I like him too. I'm just saying, like, I know it's weird because the Hawks have basically not done anything with their, with their two way spots the last few years. They basically used one on a backup point guard all three all three times. It was Josh Majette. It was Brandon Goodwin. Oh, Brandon! Brand, I forgot. I forgot Brandon Goodwin. Yeah, they found there. Brandon, which which worked out well yeah. actually. That was a good one. But like the yeah, other spot, was. you know, it was Tyler Cavanaugh, and it was the stuff that they didn't they didn't do particularly well with the other spot. Charlie Brown last year, who yeah. I don't I don't I don't dislike, but Charlie's not not a huge prospect. Um. I like what they've done with those spots this year. So, um, I don't know. Oh, I have to ask you. Says I just got a retweet across the timeline reminding me. Uh, do we want to get into Grayson Allen before we get out of here? Because uh, that that was a topic. I'm not done a ton on this, but it, it became a big story on, on Sunday to the point where it was like getting some national roundup coverage because Trey tweeted about it. Grayson responded. Jaron Jackson tweeted about it. Uh, it was apparently a thing now. Um, oh, I didn't see. I didn't see the Jaron Jackson. I don't. I don't care. What uh, Jaron Jackson just uh, tweeted a picture of a cap. So, I don't know. He, he, he is he blind? Uh, I think Jaron's just trying to get his guys back. I would imagine, but um, I'm just guessing here. And Grayson, uh, bro, got, oh, hold, hold, hold Grayson got hold a little. I know. I know. Uh, oh, Jaron Jackson, bro. He. I can't wait for him to. Woo! John Collins got that boy number. He can talk all that crap to me. <laughs> I mean, I'm happy. I like this Grizzlies Hawks rivalry. I hope I hope the Grizzlies come down east. Well, it was funny uh, because we've talked about that for a while now with the uh, potential expansion news. Uh, maybe the Grizz go to the Southeast Division and get I, uh, get involved. Here. I like it. I like it. You know, they ain't no love lost between these boys, man. I, well, and, and, I love and it. during the and during the game, uh, Trey and Jaw going out a little bit in a good way, like in a friendly way, uh, but also just talking. I mean, that's that's what you want to see. And those two guys are obvious natural rivals as the two, you know, preeminent leading young point guards in the league. That's a very natural rivalry point. Um, plus everything else that's going on. And Grayson Allen, everybody hates Grayson Allen. So that's not really, that's not really breaking news, but him and Trey, this is the, this is incident number three or four with Grayson Allen and Trey Young, something like that. Yep. So uh, maybe not, I mean, not that anyone enjoys Grayson Allen really, uh, unless you went to Duke or if you're a Grizzlies fan, I guess. But uh, Trey was not having it, <laughs> apparently. I mean, there's nothing to say like his reputation is well known and like i i'm kind of surprised he just admitted it on twitter so um we'll see if the league does anything because they can't have you know i said this before you know we started podcasting but i'm like if you're mad at the dude just like shove him or fight him like you know, do the Trevor, do, do, do the Trevor Ariza, just like grab him by the, grab him by yeah, the shoulders or, or something. something like, or, but you trying to, tr- like, you trying to hurt the dude. Like, this isn't like he's, he's playing soccer out there. I'm like, what the hell dude? Like, I don't know. Uh, he, he's, he's been a weirdo. I, I don't know how his teammates tolerate that crap, honestly. Like, but apparently they do. That's cute. 
for Jaron Jackson to say that. Um, <laughs> it's cute. Consider, considering really the type of basketball player he is, like it's it's re- it really is cute. So uh, I had to, I had to bring leave. it up. We, we we can move on. I I just had to bring it up real quick just to make sure we talked about it briefly. Because uh, no, but I, I did. The one thing I did want to talk about with the Grizzlies is like I really thought Dylan Brooks was killing them again. He was. He wasn't though. <laughs> he was. He was like nine for twenty three for twenty one points. I'm like. Man, Dylan Brooks just shoots. It oh, you matter. mean killing the Hawks? Oh no, I thought he. Yeah, he was he was terrible in that game. Oh, I, I thought he. I thought like he was having. I was like getting flashbacks to preset. I'm like, man, this dude is. No, nah, he made he made some shots. He made some shots, but uh, I, I got a I got a DM from someone that I will describe as a as a person inside the league. They're not a Hawks employee, but they they work. For, I'll say this: they they work for a team. It's not the Grizzlies. It's not the Hawks. Uh, unsolicited after the game, and it was like Dylan Brooks was the second best player for the Hawks tonight. Absolutely, and I'm thinking, and, yeah, and it's I, kind of maybe true. He was so bad in that game, uh, and it was. I, I'm not someone who piles on him all the time, but man, he was real bad in that game. And he's he's the kind of guy that will shoot you out of a game, and he did it in that game. Yeah, hopefully they can get um just because I was thinking about because now I'm going to the Grizzlies side because they are you know the hometown team apparently of me, even though I told you my second team, my my second love in the NBA. Um. It's not the Grizzlies, but like they really need Justice Winslow because, like, just just so that they can't have John Morant go up against bigger guys, because uh, Justice can punish smaller uh, defenders, um, and like also just to get the ball out of Dylan Brooks' hands, like they just. I, I get why he plays a lot; like he plays with a lot of confidence, but. The type of shots he was shooting, like you look at the box score, like the Grizzlies got up 43 three-pointers, but it's like Dylan Brooks shot 11 of them, and maybe five were good shots from from distance, and he's not an elite shooter. Uh, and then he, he he just takes some wild shots. Like, I, I, again, like shout out to Taylor Jenkins for empowering his players, but he may want to think about pulling the reins because they got more guys. Like, they got – I don't know. I feel like they even with all the injuries, they have better players than Dylan Brooks. But, like, I get it. The defense, he does bring a level of physicality that, you know, he kind of sets the tone for him. But I don't, I don't know. I yeah. Don't know. Uh, I had to bring it up. Anyway, um, before we get out of here, I guess the last thing I want to make sure I ask you and then you get into whatever, you, whatever else we want to – Capella's probable, as I said early on the podcast for Monday. I, you know, probable doesn't mean def- definitely definitely playing, but it looks like he's going to play at least probably. Um, I've gotten questions about this, so I guess I'll ask you: What does the team look like with Capella versus not? Because you know, there's a lot of talk now. I've seen anyway about you know maybe Capella mess things up because the Hawks are playing so well, which I would not be That's- worried about that. But um, um, all those breaks, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But but still, like you know. I guess the question would be offensively, does he hurt them? Because not that he's a bad offensive he player, but he's not, they're not, he, they won't be playing small like they have been the last no, two games. No, you know what? He probably won't because the Hawks are going to be running spread pick and roll, right? They're going to be doing what he does best. He's going he's gonna to be like, John's going to be spotting up during those minutes they're playing together. And Capella's going to be the guy rolling. Like, I, you know, during the preseason, it didn't look good, but they weren't running pick and roll. They weren't doing what Capella got paid, you know, 
X millions amount of dollars for. They weren't running any, anything of role. And that was part of the preseason woes of everyone, basically, is that they were not playing the way that they're going to play offensively yeah. in a lot of ways. So, um, yeah, so that that was also probably some clear gamemanship. It's probably, you know, that's one of the... I, I would wager Rondo probably had a hand in that, like, especially when they played the Grizzlies two times. Cause they Knowing they're playing them again in, the ga- in game yeah, two. Yeah, like, in, like three days later, like, they were like, we, we're not we're literally not going to show them anything and if we get our butts whooped then whatever like this game doesn't count so i wouldn't be shocked if that was the case but like uh yeah if, if they're going to be doing that he's going to be good defensively and then he's he's going to be playing with spacing because john Collins is still a great shooter like he hasn't made a three-pointer but i mean you saw it you saw it during the grizzlies game they jonas like Trey got that layup where he faked both him and Grayson Allen uh, when he went behind his legs in large part because John was spaced out right there and everybody knew Trey was going to pass it to him. And so he had to close out, you know, Jonas had to start closing out towards him or it'd be a practice shot. And John's too good of a shooter to give up practice shots and not expect him to make them. So like, uh, you know, John's got the spacing and with Cam Reddish improved like confidence as a shooter. I'll put it that way. I don't know what what he's shooting on this on the season from three, but the confidence with which he's shooting the basketball, like people are closing out to him, and you know DeAndre Hunter, he's just I mean he's just doing everything well, like is shocking, shockingly, like I am, <laughs> you know he's making me look bad uh, from all him. my DeAndre. From all my DeAndre Hunter takes that I give to you personally on the DM. But listen, you'll you'll take that. I I know you. Yeah, you'll, yeah. You'll, you'll, you'll take it. And I, I'm I'm the same way on this stuff. Like, if you're wrong about a guy and you're wrong in the in the direction of a guy being better than you thought, that's a lot easier to take. It's just what it yeah, is. But I'm but I'm happy because this is the Brad. Like I said before, this is the this player DeAndre Hunter playing as. Oh, uh, the physicality on both ends, both on defense and that he's walling guys off. He's boxing guys out. He's grabbing rebounds. Not he's even blocking shots. Yeah, he's got he's got some blocks. Getting, getting he, had, he, had a, he had a great one on Jaw. I thought, um, like a one on one, you know, shadow him, show the size, extend, and yell too after the play. Yeah. He had another block that got called for a stup- a foul when he didn't foul him. I think I don't know who it was on, but and like he showed emotion and like he didn't do this last year. Like he just didn't. He was just a part of the team. He was thinking. I mean, it's yeah. It's just, this yeah. is this is part of it's not always like this. This this is part of the reason why rookies are not very good. Is that well, most I would say ninety five percent of rookies are just trying to get through the day, man. They're trying to figure out where they where they got to be, and there's That's they're true. processing. And I know DeAndre was an older guy, but he's still someone that played at Virginia, which is like night and day from the NBA. And you know, you just see the wheels turn on some of these guys, and he wasn't allowed to like allowing himself, I should say, to, like, unleash. And, I'm not again, you can't expect him to do necessarily what he was able to do in the first two games all the time, but that's closer to what you think you're hopefully going to get, and that's what they want out of him. And it's not a surprise that, you know, Lloyd has kind of gone out of his way to really talk up DeAndre, both publicly and to him. He called, he called him the best defender on the team. Yeah, I played the audio, and like people were surprised, and I was like, look, this is clearly what they want him to be. And I, I still think that Cam is better right now defensively than DeAndre is. But DeAndre is huge, man. Like people don't understand this. DeAndre Hunter is huge, like six eight, six nine, like two thirty, and jacked. Like that guy is big, and physical, and he's not this like incredible uber athlete. But he's plenty athletic enough. He's a 
he's a good athlete. And yeah. He, and he's showing it with his offensive repertoire on offense, finishing through contact and like going up strong to the rim. These are all things he wasn't doing last year. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's great to see last, you know, last thing before we go, um, shout out to Kevin Herter playing up to his talent level. I love it. I love that. He's coming in aggressive. Look, not just looking for a shot, but looking to make an impact on the game. Right. Uh, whether it be on offense or defense, because, like last year, for whatever reason, like it just felt like he didn't have confidence in anything that he was doing except for open catch and shoot threes. And now he's got, you know, he's got confidence in his handle again. Um, you know, he's got confidence in his pull up jumpers. You know, he's taking he's taking some threes early in the shot clock if he's open or if the guy's right there, like he's taking it. He's hunting for three pointers and you know, and now he's also flashing his passing. Like, that give and go that he had with, with John Collins yep. um, that led to a – like, that was incredible basketball. Like, you know, and that's – but that's the type of talent that he is. And, and I'm happy he's playing to his talent level um, now that the Hawks have depth. And, you know, he could potentially be losing his playing time, though. That's probably not going to happen now with Dunn, um, sadly, being yeah, out. Yeah, Dunn out for a while. Um but even then, I think there was always a role of some sort, but he's, you know, sometimes it just takes a little bit, like, in addition to just being year three, they preach competition for a reason the last several weeks, and nothing... And it's true competition. Yeah. I think this is a... I can't believe I almost forgot this. Bogdan's not starting. Yeah, I mean, and part of that, I, I still think, and I believe this, part of that is to just get get defense on the floor, but... It is pretty interesting but, in a lot of ways. And honestly, I like it. And this is something like people were, I think nationally people were like panicking. It's like, oh, he signed there for four years and he's not, not even going to start. It's like, guys, well, look well, at the start reality. In- yeah, it's just, it's two games. He started one of them. And, you know, if you look at, if you look at, if you look at I would say objectively, it's not like he and Trey Young are the best fits in the world as a starting backcourt together. And we, we knew that going in. Like defensively, it's a lot easier if you're playing against a guy like John Morant or a guy like Zach Levine to not have your backcourt be Trey Young and Michael Bogdanovich coming out of the, coming out of the gates. That's just the reality yeah. of the situation. So, because I mean, the most important thing is having a way to hide Trey Young. Uh, and you know, I've talked about it on here, but Trey Young's Trey Young's playing every possession as if it's three two zone all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah, he's like, been he's uh, better. He's been physical. I mean, but like just the little stuff of competing on the glass. And that's like, all it is. Like, bigs out. That's that's all, like that's how you get from being the worst defender in NBA history, which he wasn't, but no. to just being Kimball Walker or Kyrie Irving or well, Dane Exactly. Like, that's that's all it takes. And it's not it's, it's it not necessarily about him being a one-on-one matchups either. It's a lot of it is about him digging down and being aggressive in passing lanes. It's just like being a general pest. Like no, He's never going to be good if you get him ISOed on a good offensive player. He's not going to be able to exactly. stop Zach Levine. It's just not going to happen. But it's everything else. Like, just be a part of the defense. Be in the way. And that's... Be in the way, yeah. It really is. I mean, that's all it is. And we've seen that, I mean, again, it's two games as well. But he's been fine. I mean, there are moments where you can tell it's Trey and it's not good. But it's like if you watch those games back, and I have you're not looking at him as this like huge minus defensively in those games. Like there's a play here, a play there, but it's, that was better too. So it's a team effort. I mean, defense is not an individual thing. 
It's just not. I mean, you have to have guys that can play individual defense. You got to have a guy like Reddish and a guy like Hunter to take away certain guys on the other team. But defense is a lot about just not making mistakes and working together and communicating and being in the right pl- and being right in the right place at the right time. And the Hawks can do that. I mean, personnel is big, but if you have guys who can just do what they're asked to do, that's like half the battle or more defensively in the NBA. It's just like being a functional. It's doing the me. small things. You have to if you want to be a good defensive team. Uh, or I mean, if you want to be a good basketball team, you have to be able to do small things consistently uh, in today's NBA because offense is so good now. Offenses are so good. Even this game, right? I want, like you said, the, they held the Grizzlies to a 107. I mean, that's over a point per possession, but that's good defense in today's NBA just because just of the raw offensive talent there is. You're not going to stop everything, but if you take away the easy stuff and you force teams to grind out possessions in the half court, which they've done due to cutting down the turnovers, which is something Trey's gotten a lot, like these two games. We'll see if this trend continues. But, like, I mean, if Trey Young's going to play like this on offense where he's not turning the ball over, he might average less assists, but he's going to be a way better basketball player uh, because of it. Like, he's just – and he's also averaging less turnovers in large part because there's more talent on the floor. Yeah. Like, there's more guys that have to be respected. We we've yet to see a team trap Trey Young at half court. That has not happened yet, because you're just gonna if you do it, Kevin Herter or Bogdan is gonna walk to an open three point shot. No, the teams and, can't do it. I mean, maybe on a night when he, when Trey's just going absolutely nuts, they might try it. But there's a reason that worked. But that was the that was the modus that was the modus operandi. Trap Trey Young, and it should have been just trap him. Like trap him. They had nothing. They had nobody else. Like that. That's that's the thing. I, I mean, you can't just throw it all out. But that was one of the big things we talked about. Like not having anybody else that can create a shot other than John Collins last season. Like it's just night and day. I mean, it, even even the internal development. And that's like, where that's where you really see the improvement of Cam Reddish and DeAndre Hunter in particular. Their ability to make the right play uh, once Trey gets the ball out of his hands. Like it's just. I mean, it's been a massive difference, and like, I don't know. They're they're fun to watch. They're exciting. I wish, you know, people could go to the games, but this is the world we live in. Uh, so. <laughs> Indeed. Um, well, yeah. I mean, we I, you give me an hour as we often do on this podcast. Um, if you have anything else you want to say, please go ahead and say it. If not, we'll, we'll do this more. Uh, we'll, we'll do this again fairly soon. There's plenty of takeaways to be had. In the early going, um, but we've, we've covered a lot of ground over two games. Uh, anything else you want to add or plug or um, anime, anime shout outs or anything else that you want to add today? Well, I, I want to talk about uh, I've been really impressed with like just Lee Wide, all the rookies. Um, yeah. For a quote unquote weak draft class, they're all playing really well and they're all flashing their talent, um, particularly. Uh, Wiseman and Anthony Edwards, uh, Anthony Edwards in particular, like, man, he's just so talented. I'm, I'm, I'm glad. I'm, I'm now super glad that he gone to Minnesota. Uh, I tweeted about this, but I'm glad he gets to play alongside guys like Rubio and Carl Towns and De- even D'Angelo Russell. Like, they make the game so easy for him. Like now, all he's doing, like all he's doing, is getting good matchups and punishing smaller defenders. And like, you know what? That's gonna make you a, a highly efficient basketball player. Like, if if you're just gonna constantly get to the rim, uh, draw contact and finish, like 
he doesn't even have to be a good shooter right now. Like that that'll work. Uh, his defense is still a mess, but I mean he's 19, so like it's no his talent James Wiseman through. Uh, yeah, and James and James Wiseman as well. Like, I mean, I don't think the shooting is real, but you see not. the talent. You see the talent when you when you see him dribbling up for, like that. That's what was more exciting. No, his like, his tools, man. Like, yeah, I think people are go, people are going overboard about his production so far. A part of that's yeah, the shooting. Agreed. But agreed. But Wiseman's tools like are never really in doubt like his tools are ridiculous he has no idea what he's doing defensively like zero which is Absolutely fine not. he's a rookie and it's, it's it's just part of the deal um but he's done i mean through what is it two games three games he's done as much as you possibly could have asked him to do so far reasonably after not playing basketball for really almost two years um yeah basically like he's yeah the talent is very real there i wish we uh have already seen a kong Wu, but that'll be coming very soon but I, i'm with you on those guys and mellows flash i mean too. those guys those guys make me excited to see a kong because yeah it's coming i mean people I mean, almost forgot was, about a kong it's kind of funny because he was never i haven't i know you haven't and i have it but it's kind of funny because he was never the most you know high profile prospect because he's not just that he's not that kind of player he was he was at USC and a non traditional basketball program and you know he went sixth to the hawks and everyone knew that he wasn't going to play a ton right away but I'm excited to see him. I played some audio earlier on the podcast um, on Sunday about Lloyd seems pretty excited about him as well. They like his physicality. I think he's going to play hard and play well right away. So whenever he's back, I'm looking forward to diving in because I'm, yeah, but it's, I'm kind of jealous of all the teams watching, you know, quality rookies. But at the same time, you know, you know what, Brad, I'm, I'm kind of happy Bruno's playing well. Like I'm happy Bruno is at least playing up to. Yeah, I thought he was. Talent, I thought he was like, pretty good in, in the Memphis game. Uh, I guess Chicago I thought, not not as good. I don't think, but I mean, he has a moment. I mean, that game, he's flashing yeah, stuff. Yeah, but like against against the Bulls in particular, like because Lloyd could trust him, they start the second half with him on the floor and Bogdan on the bench, uh, just so that they could protect John Collins and not get him in foul trouble. Like that's another point that Glenn Willis had pointed out. Yep. But it's just like it's doing your part. Uh, to make the team better as a whole. Like, that's something – it's good to see, like, these pieces, even though supposedly they were all a bad fit. Like, they fit, they, they fit pretty well, damn well to me. Um, and so it, I'm, I'm excited to see Capella uh, and Okongwu and how they're going to mix mix and match this rotation. Uh, it's just it's just a lot to look forward to. It's fun. It's I'm so happy the Hawks are back. Uh, my last point. Happy the Hawks are back. <laughs> Happy NBA basketball back is, is for all thirty teams as a whole. Um, and it, it's just great to see. It's great to see this team who's struggled so mightily these last three years play so well. Um, you know, even though it's only two games, like it's it's the little things that have me excited. Not not like the Trey Young stuff and John Collins playing well. Like that's something we've already known. But like seeing just the confidence with with the other guys are actually playing with. Like that's that's exciting to me, and so, you know, hopefully that continues through this week. I'm, I'm the Nets game is going to be super fun. Like that's going to be a real challenge for them, but uh, you know, I I can't wait for it. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Uh, I'm looking forward to that as well. You know, Pistons, not exciting necessarily on Monday night, but if the Hawks take care of business there, that'll be encouraging too. Because honestly, nothing's easy in the, in the NBA. The Pistons are exactly. not good on paper, but if the Hawks come out and just do what they're supposed to do and win. That's another check mark on the box because, you know, winning on the road, winning at home, winning the games you're supposed to win is something the Hawks haven't had to do, haven't, haven't had to do a lot the last couple of years because they've been not the better team most nights. 
But this is I a mean, spot where that's that's it's, you, it's you good tweeted, reps. You you tweeted the last time the Hawks um, were a seven point favorite. They're now a ten point favorite. Uh, yeah, was against <laughs> the Knicks and they lost by fifteen. Yeah, and that was uh, that was a Knicks team. That, I, re- I remember that game in twenty nineteen where. You know, the Hawks were not great, but the Knicks were just like a disaster and playing no one. And the Hawks just looked terrible. They came out and just played awful. And, you know, this is a different team, obviously, but they haven't been a double-digit favorite since 2017. I mean... I mean, Brad, they got they got worked three games by the Bulls by 20-plus points. And to beat them by... Like, to beat them by 20 on their floor on opening night, I mean, it's just... It's just you feel great as a fan. And then to come back again and beat another team that blew you out big time, two times in a row in the Grizzlies, and just thoroughly outplay them in the fourth quarter. And for Trey Young to be playing as well to start the season. Like it's just it's just fun. It's fun that the Hawks appear to actually be a part of the national lexicon again. Uh not again, because they they've never been a part of the national lexicon. <laughs> there was that one uh, month in 2015 where they were kind of yeah that they had the it. one month they had yeah. the one month and then everybody crapped on them, even though Tabo got his leg broken by NYPD and everybody pretended Tabo didn't matter for the Hawks, but whatever, you know. It's okay. Uh, not, Whatever. Not, not, not that we're bitter. Um, I'm, not, I'm never. I'm never going to let that go. Like that. <laughs> that season hurt, Brad. No, I'm, uh, yeah, they, I was, they were playing so well. I still had like, some fandom. I was, man. I was covering those games in person. Uh, I, but I still had some, uh, some definitely some fan instincts still at that point. And it was, it was not fun. That, that team with Apple was legitly dominant. And like they never, they had never played like that in all those playoff runs. And then for it to like just collapse with everybody getting hurt at the same time, like it's, it's a big reason why Bud, doesn't extend those minutes you know he tries to keep everybody you know with the bucks because he doesn't want to repeat that where everybody late in the season just body gives out because they don't have any depth um so that sucked um but you know here we are hopefully this this team this team can bring back some magic for hawks fan who who deserve it man like you know atlanta sports fans in particular get so much crap for stuff they can't control and like nobody cares, right? So I'm I'm happy that the Hawks are are exciting uh, through these first couple of games, and hopefully that can continue. Agreed. It should be fun. Uh, I will have you back whenever you would like to. Uh, I'm sure in a, in a week or two we'll have have more more to talk about with this team. But I appreciate it as always, my friend. Um, please follow this man on Twitter if you'd like to uh, get some anime takes out there. What else? What else are you talking about right now on Twitter? Other than uh, well, I just finished watching The Mandalorian. And... Oh yeah, I saw, you, I saw you yelling about that. By the way, I have Oof. watched The Mandalorian, and I am not a content guy. I have watched The Mandalorian. How about that? I'm caught up. Excuse me? You proud of me? I've watched it. Watched the whole thing. Wow. All two wow, seasons. Wow, Brad? Brad? You're a star- are you a Star Wars fan? Or are you I'm just... really not. I mean, I've seen, I've seen all yeah. the movies, but I'm not like, I'm, yeah. I'm not a big fan. Like, I know what's going on, but uh, I'm not like the Clone Wars guy. I don't, I don't watch the other stuff. The I've, I've seen, all, stuff I've seen, like I've seen all the movies. But yeah, I, yeah. Got, I got into Mandalorian. I watched it, and uh, this is off-brand for me, but I'm, I'm caught up, and I enjoyed it. So here you go. Yeah, I mean... It, no spoilers. It, I'm not spoiling <laughs> it, but I, it just, like... I'm, I'm shocked that The Mandalorian made me a fan of Star Wars again, considering how... Uh, I don't want to get into it on here, but if you want to hear my takes on Star Wars and why I'm back on it, you can follow me at Jonesy2x4 um, 
on Twitter. The takes will, the takes will be still, flowing. Yeah, it's still a locked account. Um, and that's probably not going to change for the foreseeable future. Uh, but uh, you, 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 you could apply to uh, have Tyler allow you to, to yeah, apply to I, follow I, I, I usually I usually look at it. As long as you're not a bot or a troll, like, I I don't. I don't go too deep into it. Like I usually just let anybody follow me who, who requests it. It's just, you know, I gotta, I gotta protect, protect my brand. If you understand. It's a, <laughs> it's a wise, it's a wise move in a lot of ways. Uh, the only thing that's bad about it is that I can't retweet you. So I often have to just like yeah. quote you in some way somewhere, but it's okay. Yeah, but Small it's, it's for the best. It's for the best. Cause if you started retweeting me, I'm almost positive. Somebody who I worked with would have found it. And would have followed me, and then <laughs> I'd be in super duper trouble. Well, there you I'd, go. That's uh, <laughs> yeah. There's yeah. There's something to be said for that as well. Well, thank you, sir. I appreciate it. Uh, as for everybody else, please subscribe to the podcast. Follow Tyler. Follow me if you would like to. And we'll see you after the game on Monday. <laughs>